Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim. Today's episode is with an artist and teacher whom I came across after asking for people to take part in our favourite three art supply episodes. I put the call out on Instagram and he actually replied and, well, he seemed to have quite an interesting little art story. So here we are today having a bit more of an in-depth chat about art. So hello, Terry. Welcome to the Art Supply Posse. Why, hello, Kim. Thank you for this opportunity. Ah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So we're going to dive straight in and we are going to start off with, I don't know, maybe you could argue it's the most important question. Maybe it's the least important question. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> who exactly is Terry Horn? Um, well, I feel like it's kind of the <clears throat> existential question where <laughs> where. <laughs> We always ask, we always ponder. Um, So, I mean, how do you answer that question? But I am a simple guy that lives in China now that's been doing art and music since, I don't know, since I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for many years, uh, it's just something that's always been in my life. You know, so I, I'm just a simple artist that's kind of uh, due to a midlife crisis, I guess, in his later years is now traveling around and teaching um, and sharing his his love of art and music um, to whomever will listen to him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, no, that's that's totally fine. And look, the, the the reason I like that question of asking who someone is is because it's different. Like it changes. Like I could ask you that yeah. in six months' time, and it would more than likely be a different answer. Like it'd be a variation, perhaps on on the same theme, but it changes all the time. And I think it's good to remember that we do change and we do grow and learn and become different people, even though we're still the same person. And and that's totally okay. And I think it's a, yeah, it's just, and it's just fascinating for me to find out, to hear what people, you know, what people think that they are. Because I'm sure if I asked a friend of yours, perhaps, I'd get a different answer altogether. And I just find it quite fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as we, you know, go our, take our path down in our lives, um, things, you know, things change the passion and the love and the creation of art has always been in my life, but it has never, the way it's been shown or the way it's earned me income, the way it's, you know, kind of directed my life, those paths have changed. But the main thing kind of leading that, you know, leading that drive has been uh, the all encompassing word or world of art, Mm. you know, so yeah it's true i mean my friends would probably say something different i probably would have said something different before i moved to china or before i started you know teaching internationally or even before i started teaching at all you know it probably would have been something different absolutely so so you said you know that you've been art has been part of your life for a long time do you can you remember that initial what what kind of drew you to art what made you passionate about it in the first place like was there something there that you just 
you had to do it, you just felt compelled to do it all the time or was it just something as a kid you did without much thought but then it became something more more important to you? Um, yeah, I, I remember this sounds somewhat ridiculous now that I kind of didn't think of it. Um, but when I was a real small child, I think about age six or whatever, and this is always stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to age myself right now, I guess. Um, that would have been 41 years ago, and I still mm-hmm. remember it. Yep. Um, my cousin and I were were staying with my grandmother while our parents and stuff went on vacation, and we used to play this game where we would draw, you know, like tanks and wizards and, you know, all this fantasy stuff. I guess tanks are not really fantasy, but on either side of the paper, and then we would take our pencil and kind of put the lead on the pencil and kind of, you know, like flick it with our finger and wherever, wherever the pencil landed. So, but we took so much care in the design of either side of the paper, yep. uh, you know, with the great details of, of everything that we spent more time with <laughs> that portion of it than the actual kind of gameplay. <laughs> and, and that's, that, event has stuck in my head for you know like I said 41 years and I'm so when I talk to my students I'm like well that's kind of I don't remember anything before that outside of you know scribbling or whatever Mm -hmm. but that one kind of event has stuck in my head and you know then you progress you know my parents and my grandparents were really uh supportive of art um, especially at a young age, whatever I wanted that was art related, um, you know, they, they always found a way to get it to me, you know, whatever it is. And, um, even if I didn't, like, I didn't know what acrylic paints were until I started taking art, but they found their way into my house and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, never got mad at me for painting on the wall or drawing on the walls. Um, <laughs> so they were really good. And, um, when I was, I think 12, 11 or 12, I got really into music and mm-hmm. that was kind of, um, that changed my life, you know, for what, forever. Mm-hmm. And part of playing music and listening to music and all that was the album art, you know, the album artwork and stuff like that. So that was kind of, um, you know, moving from drawing tanks and whatever, um, you know, about four or five, six years down the road, I got into music and then, you know, that's been my life ever since then, you know, and, but the visual arts and the, the music was kind of what kept everything going until, well, until present day, I suppose. Yeah. So are they linked, do you think, like does your music influence your art and your art influence your music? Um, at first, it was always, when I first got into music and playing music, it was always, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, <laughs> sometimes the album art was kind of the factor to why I picked up certain music. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was just the genre of music I was playing or whatever at the time that kind of, um, 
you know, dictated, you know, what, what albums I bought or, you know, stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and I can't think of the artist's name off the top of my head right now. I apologize, but he did a lot of the Miles Davis early like eighties. I mean, not eighties, but, uh, early seventies, late sixties album art. And I just kind of, you know, like, so I started getting into that and, but now as everything has changed and I've grown as both an artist and a musician and, um, uh, it kind of both kind of work together to influence the other. Sometimes I'll sit down with a sketchbook and I'll start drawing and, you know, or scribbling or, or something. And just the rhythm of the pencil or pen kind of, you know, inspires some music mm-hmm. or something like that. Or if, you know, you have a bad day at work or, you know, I'm always playing music in my classroom or, you know, letting the kids kind of play some music, you know, when they can. And, and sometimes it's just that one note or that one lyric or, or something that, you know, it makes me have to go and, and start, you know, getting a pencil and paper and, and, you know, trying to figure something out. So, you know, they kind of work together. They always have. Yeah. You know, so. Well, it kind of makes sense too that the album art, particularly earlier on in your life, sort of drew you in because like so many of us are visual a visual people, you know, humans love the visual thing and I think album art is incredibly important. And I, yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe it's different now because so I'm 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 forty four, so I've got the same thing of, you know, we had cassettes and then we yeah. had CDs. Like obviously my parents had albums, LPs. And you're just sort of like, I don't know if it's the same now with with streaming and that. I, I assume it's as important, but Perhaps it doesn't affect, and I'm thinking more of certainly me as a teenager, like that thing of owning a cat. Like I, I remember, I still remember buying my very first cassette, which was um, Madonna's Like a Virgin album, and I'm pretty certain I was like 11 and I'd saved money because, you know, you're a little kid, you just earn pocket money kind of thing. And I remember yeah. going to the record store and I remember seeing it and buying it. And I remember that feeling of owning this music and what it meant. Like it made me feel like grown up because I'd saved and purchased it, you know, all that sort of thing. And I do wonder if that's gone in a way, if today's kids don't have that same thing of, well, they mustn't because they're not going and buying a physical thing for a starters, you know, um, and I no. guess they probably it's probably no problem for them. It's not a thing that they they miss. But, yeah, it is something, and I, I, I totally agree, it's I guess the same as when you're buying a book, you quite often look at the front cover and if the front cover doesn't speak to you, if you've never heard of it before, you may very well put it back because it doesn't grab you in that same way as a, a, a book cover that is, you know, presented in a way that does appeal to you and i think it makes sense that that you were kind of drawn to album covers yeah i think um now it's just a little bit different for the music consumer um you don't have the album covers you don't have uh anything like that but now 
for better or for worse, I think you have, I think, uh, (laughs) you know, you have YouTube and all that. So a lot of artists are now putting out, you know, videos for, you know, their releases and stuff like that. So they have that, but, and we didn't have that, you know, growing up, but, but you see, you know, Roger Dean that did all the yes album covers in the seventies and stuff. And you could sit there and just, he did these really fantasy kind of, you know, kind of brightly colored J.R.R. Tolkien's kind of scenes. And you could just kind of put yourself into that place before you even listen to the music. And yes, you know, I don't know. I bought, I bought yes albums and cassettes and CDs when I was younger, strictly for the artwork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the music came to me as I progressed as a musician. Yeah. And knew that they were fabulous fabulous musicians and started appreciating the music, but I bought their first album just because the album cover looked, you know, really cool. So Yeah. 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 I, so. I have a memory of um I think the band was called Oh no, I can't even think of the name. Was it called Hot Chocolate, the name of the band, or was that the name of the album? My parents owned this this record, and it had on the front cover all it was was a pair of women's lips, and she had a you know a round chocolate in her mouth, and that yeah. that image, like I can still call that up, you know, and it, it just does go to show how important the visual is in our lives because. Uh, you know, I remember being a little girl and I remember listening to it and I remember liking the music, but it's that album cover that just, it stays with you. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's incredibly important. Yeah, I agree. So when was it you sort of decided that art was something you wanted to do more in your life and something that you wanted to teach? I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to be, as soon as I started playing music, um, and my, like, well, I guess it was high school. I started playing music when I was probably in junior high, mm-hmm. um, middle school. Um, uh, and it was just something fun to do with your friends and stuff like that. But when I went to high school, um, we had a performing arts, uh, magnet school started mm-hmm. up when I got into school and I was like, wait, I can, I can go to another school and play music for half a day. And, <laughs> and then half a day, you know, uh, at a traditional school learning, you know, my core classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, sign me up. So <laughs> like every rebellious teenager, you know, growing up in the punk and, you know, whatever era, I was like, oh, okay, so half day school, half day playing music, sign me up. <laughs> so, and and I just had a really good teacher in that high school, and um, I know this is a very music heavy, you know, conversation, but um, so that was kind of what got me started, like really passionately thinking about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up in and playing music in the eighties and stuff, you kind of did your own album art, you did your post, your own posters, your own little, you know, things you handed out to people, you know, to come to their show. So that's what kept the visual arts still, you know, passionate in that. So 
I, you know, I drew all the time and painted and stuff throughout all this stuff. Um, so I guess around that time in the eighties, that kind of kept me interested in that. And then when I got to university, um, I took my first drawing course and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was just your regular intro to, to drawing, you know, my first introduction to figure drawing, my first introduction to like any real technique. Mm-hmm. Cause I did music in high school. I was a music major originally. Um, and so, uh, I took this drawing course and, um, and I just kind of fell in love with that. And, you know, it just, so fast forward about a year later in college and I wasn't doing so well in vocal classes and I changed my major. Um, and we had this professor that was just the, one of the meanest guys on campus, but <laughs> I loved his teaching style. And so I, I changed my major to uh, painting and art history and, um, and then, you know, I guess, the rest is history. He just really, he was mean and, you know, he would paint over students' artwork and he would tear up your artwork and, you know, tell you how bad you are and stuff like that. But that was the kind of, at that time, that was the kind of instruction that I needed mm-hmm. for me to progress as an artist and, and stuff like that. But, um, it also, you know, when I got into education many years later, um, I've been teaching for 14 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, when I decided to change my career from, originally I was working in construction, um, doing blueprints and, and stuff like that. He, his, he kind of stuck in my mind and I was like, this is the teacher that I do not want to be um, because it worked for me, but it didn't work for the majority of the class. And so I had friends that were both artists and teachers. And when I decided to change my major, I mean, not my major, but my occupation and my, my career path uh, in my mid thirties, I thought about my friends that were showing art at the same time as me, but during the day they were going to teach kids, you know, young artists to be artists and what it's like to be an artist and what it's like to create work and, and shared their passion with them. And I just wasn't feeling fulfilled sitting in an office for eight hours a day and, and everything. And so they allowed me to go into their classrooms and kind of teach little lessons. And, you know, they steered me towards a way I can get into teaching without having to go back to university. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, you know, they would always, everywhere you would go, even in job interviews, they would ask you, can you think of a teacher that influenced you the most? And, and I was always, I would always tell them like art, artistically this guy was huge in my life as far as education goes i guess he was equally as huge but i just knew that i didn't want to teach like him yeah because <laughs> you know so so that's kind of the long-winded long story of how 
yeah. I continue doing it. So. So when you first started teaching, what what kind of age group are we talking about? Are the the students you were teaching? I when I got my well, I've always taught ninth grade. Well, originally I taught ninth grade through twelfth grade, which um, I guess is fourteen, thirteen or fourteen, I guess. Mm-hmm. To 18. Yep. And now I teach from sixth grade to 12th grade. Uh, but I've always taught, before moving to China, I taught at pretty um, low income uh, urban high schools. And that's the kind of students that I thought needed art, mm-hmm. needed, you know. Um, an outlet for whatever emotional stress they were having or, uh, or anything like that. The school was, the, the students were pretty transient. Their parents went wherever jobs were available. So the kids would start school with us, then move away and then come back and then move away and then come back. Um, you know, then, and our lunches were free to every student which wasn't the case for every, every school, mm-hmm. but because of our income level of our students, ours was always free to them. So that was, that was the kind of environment that I wanted to teach in. And that was kind of where I started to teach it, you know. Well, I think it's a good thing that you, you recognize that those are the sort of kids that whose lives literally could be changed just through art. Like, you know, even just from a, perspective of giving them um a world to escape in which you certainly can with art like you know it can only take a pencil and a notepad and you can sit down and an hour later the time is gone you've just been so immersed in what you're doing so that's a pretty important thing you did and a pretty important thing for these kids to have learned i've always had this even before i've started teaching i guess but like you said, art is a way you can kind of lose yourself. It's mm-hmm. I know you can read a book, you can and lose yourself in a book, and um, and you can listen to music, and you can kind of lose yourself in the music and stuff like that. But art, to me, is you kind of create the world you're going to, yeah. um, no matter how you approach it and stuff. And so I always tell my students. My old school, I had a lot of young mothers uh, or, you know, uh, the boys and girls would be uh, the breadwinners or the, you know, providers for their families in some cases, or they would take care of the kid, you know, their younger brothers while, or sisters while, you know, parents were working and whatever. And I just always told my students, like, this is where you can kind of, if you have five minutes and a piece of paper and a pencil you can kind of create your own world or you can you know use it to kind of entertain your siblings as well i mean if that's all you get from my my class then that's fine i don't expect any of my students to ever go out and be the next picasso or the next dali or whatever that would be fantastic <laughs> and that's what i hope but Ultimately, I want them to leave my classroom and know 
that and have a passion for art and, and everything and hope it helps them, you know, creatively think and all that. But also if it's just to entertain their siblings or themselves to, you know, you have a bad day at work and this is the way you can kind of come home and kind of calm down and relax and whatever. Then that's all I ask. That's, that's success to me. Yeah. It's a pretty important coping tool that they're they're doing. So even if they don't realize it, that's pretty important to them. So I'm curious to know with like with the move to China, how like, well, first of all, like if you don't mind sharing, why did you decide to to move and to move to China, which is so totally different from, from where you were? But why why move there and then but you're teaching art there as well. So like what is it like having to teach in another country uh where English isn't the f- isn't native language? Like what is that whole process like? <laughs> I made the decision to move here kind of off of a whim. <laughs> I needed a change. I taught at my last school, which I loved the school. I taught at the last school for 10 years mm-hmm. and um, I taught, you know, everything from beginning art to advanced placement art or uh, art history and 2D art and design. And But I just needed, I don't think it was a midlife crisis, but I just needed a change. I lived in the same place for so long and I needed a change. So... Um, when I started that process of like, where am I going to go? I'm, I'm originally from Texas mm-hmm. and, uh, I lived in Texas for many years, but so I just started small and trying to pick somewhere in the U S or Mexico or, or Canada somewhere. And I just remembered I had a, an acquaintance, a friend that was teaching in China him and his wife had taught in Japan and, and China, Japan twice, I think, in China. And so I just reached out to him and asked him how he started international teaching. Mm-hmm. And he, upon talking to him, he was like, funny you should ask. Here's mm-hmm. how I did it. But the school that I'm at is looking for an art teacher next year. The one we have is retiring, and we're going to need one, and we need one that's certified to teach advanced placement art. And I'd been teaching that for, so I gave him my, re- sent him my resume, gave it to the principal here, and within I don't know five interviews later, they hired me to come over here. I had. I haven't researched anything. I didn't know <laughs> what it was going to be like. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, <laughs> but <laughs> I just knew it's, it just felt right. Mm. Uh, my concentration in, in, um, in university for art history was Asian art history. Okay. I don't know why, <laughs> why I chose Asian <laughs> art history at the time, but, it just seemed, you know, like this was the path I needed to go on. Um, so I pretty much learned all the how to navigate getting here and stuff by our executive assistant at, you know, at our school. 
and uh, I, I had I had no idea. So <laughs> we do teach in an international school. So part of the program is you know to students learning English as their second language and being bilingual um, or sometimes trilingual. Um, so I do we do teach international students and then we have uh, local Chinese national students as well or at least mm -hmm. I do it's split when they get into high school or middle school well elementary is split and then middle school is kind of split and then when they get into like ninth grade on up then it's you know they're put together and inclusive mm -hmm. with, with the international students. So, so it's, it's a challenge at my old school. Spanish was the school was about 50%, if not more Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to a bilingual, you know, education. I am not bilingual. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was going to be my next I question. <laughs> I am not. Uh, some of my students in my old school that I had from the time they were freshmen till they graduated, they're like, how can, you know, I've had students from a freshman to a senior and they tried to teach me Spanish and I know very little. <laughs> and then I'm doing a little bit better at trying to learn Mandarin while here, but a tonal language is a lot harder than trying to learn a non-tonal language like Spanish mm -hmm. or so it's most of my students have a pretty good, pretty good grasp of English and Mandarin, even the international students. Cause they have to take, you know, Mandarin classes as well. They're pretty savvy at it. And, um, my middle school kids, uh, that come from the Chinese side, uh, they're still learning English, so um, it takes a little bit. And but it, since it's a, an inclusive classroom, I have students that can help me out. Um, and then it challenges me to learn to explain, you know, art terms and techniques and stuff in a different way to, yeah. to help them be successful and and stuff like that. So if you're not scared. <laughs> and nervous about things it's it's wonderful you know career choice yeah sounds yeah. like it so do you think do you think you will stay in china you have any plans to move to another country at all or are you just sort of just playing it i mean obviously covid's kind of made things hard i understand that but like was there ever any plans to move on and to go somewhere else or is it just you're going to stick with china well i I don't know. Um, I'm. I love China. Yeah. And I have. I've set myself some goals of you know three to four years. My first one, and then maybe a little bit longer for the next one. Again, I'm 47 now, and I don't know how long. I mean, after when you turn 60, that's when China starts to kind of push you out. <laughs> um so I have at least 13 years in China. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I don't know where my path will lead me but 
I'm okay with staying in China for a few more years. I would like to kind of move about a little bit. I still yeah. would. I'm interested in some of the more of the South Asia areas, Vietnam, and you know, I don't know. I'm I'm open for anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but I will stay international teaching as long as you know I'm healthy enough to to keep up, and as long as they keep you know, hiring international teachers, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. So aside from obviously the differences in teaching art, how, how do you think your personal art has changed with the move of countries and, and everything else? Like is your art different now or has it stayed the same? It's, it's different. I have... Um, now I rely a lot more heavily on, I'm trying to minimize the amount of stuff that I have mm -hmm. um, just because of, you know, your, you know, when you live in Asian countries, the, your apartments and stuff are a lot smaller. So you have a lot less space for that kind of stuff. If you're traveling, if you're wanting to travel, um, from place to place, whether it's for work or just to travel, uh, you, you try to stay, you know, with as little material things as possible. Mm. So, um, I have always been interested. I always carry a sketchbook, yep. always have a sketchbook. Like that's my security blanket. Mm -hmm. And, so, but now, uh, two things have changed. One the sketchbooks have become more of, they're like journals, but now when I think of my sketchbooks, in my mind, they're pieces of art and not just sketchbooks at this point. Because yep. they're small and they're portable, so I try to treat them as uh, as a sketchbook and, and more of an art form. I've never been one to when I draw with pencil and then I want to paint or use ink or whatever, I don't erase the guidelines or the sketches. So it works out to my benefit to be that way. So mm. a sketchbook I can just paint over Two, my photography has become more important um, than it used to be. It used to just be a way to take a reference photo that I want to draw from later on um, or a tool to, I always teach photography as part of my class. So just I knew enough about photography to teach my students and that was it. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that, you know, I'm traveling a little bit more cell phones, you know, the cameras in our cell phones have become, you know, so good. Uh, so that's become pretty important. And, and my music is, Stayed has changed too because now that I'm in China, I've bought like Chinese instruments and I'm trying to learn to play those. And 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 when I decide to move, I'll just you know either give my instruments to the school for the, in the music program here, or I won't take them with me. I'll you know some of the parents that are staying that have kids, I'll give that to them and. Um, so, I mean, you can't help but be influenced by wherever. Even if you stay in your own place, if I stayed in Texas, 
um, you know, it's influenced by the different musics that's around or the, I was there, I was really into doing like, uh, urban sketching and stuff like that. And, um, I just really haven't, I don't know why it just, that just has, hasn't carried over to being in China. And I'm not sure why that is. Cause this would be the perfect place to, to do <laughs> urban sketching and, and everything. So I'm trying to get back into that a little bit more. I live in a pretty, uh, I guess, kind of rural area. It's a port city. And so there's, we have a farm, a blueberry farm right behind us with animals and a small little mountain um, and stuff like that. So it's really beautiful and green. And the ocean is like five minute walk from our campus. And so it's very picturesque and I'm not sure why I, I think photography is kind of hurt back, you know, mm -hmm. hurt going out with the sketchbook. So, yeah. um, so that's, I mean, you just can't help, but, but be influenced by your surroundings and your environment, no matter where you go as an artist and a musician, you know, you're always uh, watching stuff, seeing stuff, listening to everything. And um, you just, you just can't help but be influenced by it. Definitely. So I'm curious to know, let's say, you know, you've inspired somebody, your listeners listen to this and they're like, yeah, you know what? I want to try this particular art that, practice that I've been thinking about for a while coming from it as a perspective of someone who teaches art what would you say to a, a newcomer to art or just even a newcomer to a specific type of medium like what what could you offer someone who's as a tips or tricks you know that kind of thing of like well this is what I recommend um I do with my middle school students for sure mm-hmm and it's something that I use um, as when I'm kind of not feeling creative or, you know, you have imposter syndrome a little bit or uh, just whatever it is. And, and I do this with, you know, some of the teachers or my coworkers that are like, I just can't draw or I just don't have, you know. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds so simple. It sounds so cliche, whatever. But you just have to do it. You just have to sit down. You have to be afraid, not afraid of making mistakes. And I always start my students off with like blind drawing, blind contour drawings. Mm -hmm. And, and I do it with them. I always do every project I give my students, whether it's, you know, some simple doodles for my middle school kids or doing light installations with my advanced kids and stuff. I always do the projects with them so they can see that sometimes I fail and sometimes, yeah. you know, you have the successes. So, I mean, I just tell them, if you know, just you just have to do it. What do you want to try? There's nothing, there's not a mistake you can make that you can't fix. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I teach in, my classroom is open so the kids can do, you know, after we kind of go through a bunch of techniques and I give them their project, I never tell them really for their, you know, final project, 
this must be done using acrylic paint. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is your your goal, and how do you get to that goal? You know, there's little rules that they have to follow. It has to have shading. It has to have one point per, you know, whatever. Yep. How you get there is totally up to you, and I'm always here to help you direct it. So, I, I want I want my students to play with everything, and in turn, even my advanced students seem to think that you have to have the best, most expensive uh, materials to create the best artwork. And I love like simple washable markers. Mm-hmm. And I'll take the markers out and a little thing of water and a paintbrush. And I'm like, look, you can have this marker and look how the water affects this. So you just, I just have to sit them down and get them unafraid to make mistakes and, yeah. um, and to just kind of have fun with it. If you, if you start painting and you don't like painting, then, then try, you know, clay and try, um, whatever and and the kids that come in and say well i'm not an artist or i don't like you know again i don't like painting i'm like well maybe you don't like painting but you like photography and photography is still an art form yeah so you you get through painting then you can then we'll try some you know photography or you're it's really just getting people unafraid to making mistakes adults or kids alike we are always afraid of making a mistake and afraid that making that mistake is going to make us look silly or make us look, you know, like we don't know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But the one thing being a teacher has taught me is to embrace those mistakes. And I don't, when I talk to new teachers, I tell them all the time, like you're going to make a mistake in front of your students. It's okay. Embrace that mistake, recognize that mistake, show the kids that you're human, that you can make mistakes, then fix it. Then show them the right way to do it. Or if they know, you know, I learned just as much from my students as, you know, I can teach them a lot of times. So, and especially coming here, my students here are very technique driven. Mm-hmm. Um more so than back in, in the States. Um, so I spend a lot of time. They can draw the perfect portrait or whatever, but they don't understand like, you know, the composition sometimes they don't, they don't get like, you know, juxtaposition and how all this stuff. So I have to break them kind of of that mold and get them to start thinking about, well, okay, you can draw a portrait, but how is that any different than taking the portrait or how is that any different than what are you trying to express with this, you know, Mm -hmm. portrait? So, um, but that's, they, they hate making mistakes too for that. So they're always in their comfort zone, trying to stay in their comfort zone all the time. It sounds like a really good teaching style. I quite like it. <laughs> you make me want to come and sit on a class of yours. <laughs> well, come on. Any well, you can't well, come yeah. into the country yet, but eventually. <laughs> <laughs> eventually. Yeah, yeah. I I did. I had the chance to visit China briefly a few years ago, and I did say I wanted to come back. So you never know. I might reach out to you and say, "Hey, where are you now?" <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm always open. That's something that when I decided to make this change to international teaching, I'm just going to go to where I guess I have a good feeling about it, you know, where life kind of leads you. And I'm enjoying China from everything, from the food, the the music, the everything is, is the people have been so great. So, and I haven't seen all of China. We, we're able to kind of travel around within China pretty easily right now and um i mean we can't now because school is in session so i can't go too far but i haven't seen all of china and i'm still i'm six hours away train you know high speed train away from beijing and i haven't even seen the great wall of china i know all my art history co-workers back home are like why have you not been to see the terracotta soldiers and and the great wall yeah what is wrong with you uh, but i'm like everything is beautiful here to me now you know so yeah. oh yeah especially coming from texas my goodness that the, the contrast <laughs> between the countryside is must be astounding like oh yeah i mean yeah i, I can't even explain the the differences in in it all and and yeah i don't know i I'm, i'll go wherever you know my career my my art my music all that will lead me but uh, right now i don't for the foreseeable future i'm here in china yeah fantastic well, this has been a really great chat, Terry. I've quite enjoyed this. Um, just before we finish up, is where can where can people find you online so they can follow your your work and uh, see what you're up to? Well, I have. I would like to say I have a blog that people can go to, mm-hmm. and I do, but I, I'm terrible at updating it. <laughs> um, I would say my Instagram is. The Owl and Octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the best place that people can find me. I update that more often than I do anything else. Yeah. Um, they can also find me at Terry Horn Photography. And that has my photographs that I take, whether they're art or just simple travel mm-hmm. photography. So those two places are probably the best place um and they can get to my blog from there but they'll be sadly disappointed when they when they arrive to the to my website so um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i update my art there and you know sometimes it's a little bit stationary heavy or sometimes it's you know just travel photography snapshot heavy. But. Yeah. That sounds good. Thank you.